Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. And in this video, we're going to be talking about seven ways that you profit or can profit and purpose as well. In this video, we're going to have a live Q&A as well. So everyone is joining me later or watching later, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time into watching this video and to listening. If you listen to my podcast, I want to say thank you all so much um, for listening. Those who's been subscribers, those who's been followers, thank you so much um, for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I pray it continues to be treasured. But for those who's been rocking me for a long time or you've been a subscriber, no, let me skip that. For those who join me for the very first time, my name is Josh Rezzi, also this Coach Josh, and I look forward uh, to be in your coach here online if you choose to. Um, but let's get right into my first few points as everyone's getting their questions uh, typed out. We're going to go ahead and be talking about ways that we can profit in purpose. There's two scriptures that we're going to exegete a little bit, and they're going to get into some definition. They're going to get into those seven things, and they're going to get right into our live Q&A. But let's get right into the first verse. Proverbs 14, 23 says, in all toil, there is profit. In all toil, there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. That verse has so many layers to it. Let's take some time. It says, in all toil. And there's different types of toil. There's good toil. There's bad toil. But like I said in a previous video, I said that the best uh, uh, soil to toil is in your purpose. If you want spoils from your toils, you have to toil in the soil of your purpose. A lot of people are profiting, very successful people, but they're not profiting in their purpose. The Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. And so the ultimate goal of the believer is to find the purpose, their purpose from God, their God-given purpose, because in that toil, that's great profit. In that toil is not just a financial profit, but it's eternal profit, it's relationship, relational profit, it's emotional profit. There's profits in purpose. And a lot of people, they're toiling, but when it comes to eternity, they're spoiling. They're spoiling their time, toiling in areas where they don't want they will where they will not gather the most spoil. Now it says, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. This means right here is that those who talk it. I'm not going to have it. And so if you're going to be about purpose, you can't talk about it. It's time out for just dreaming big. It's time to do big. In order to have big, you have to do big. In order to do big, you have to dream big. In order to dream big, you have to believe big. And when you believe in a big God, you'll dream big. And when you dream big, you'll do big. And if you do big, you'll have big, but you can't talk it. That's why I, I love it. I love what I say to a lot of people is let God reveal publicly what he's told you to do privately or work hard in silence and let that fruit speak for yourself. But also uh, Matthew 16, 26 is something I want to kind of labor on a little bit. It says what for what will it profit? Now, the word there profit for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits or loses soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Man, that verse is so powerful. A lot of people are exchanging their soul for things that's not in their purpose. It says, what profits? There's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business people that are profiting financially, but they're taking huge losses in their family, huge losses in their health huge losses in, in their walk with God. And they're profiting the whole world. The world knows them, but their family don't. Their world, the world knows them, but their plot of purpose doesn't even know that they exist. So what profit a person if they gain the whole world, but lose their soul? What is the value of a soul? 
Soul has eternal value. Soul is, 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 is where the substance is. That's where the creative synergy is birthed, birthed in comparison, in conjunction with thoughts and, 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 and ideas and, 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 and just great things that God wants to do through a person. But a lot of people are profiting. But they're not profiting in accordance to purpose. And my challenge to you is to say, hey, what are you toiling at? What are you doing? What profit or return will you get from it? And a lot of people are toiling in things that have no eternal value. Let's keep going. Now, let's define <clears throat> profit. Profit by definition is a financial, relational, personal, and emotional gain, right? Especially the difference between the amount earned and the amount spent in buying, operating, or producing something. Very proud for you. So a profit is just not financial. See, my goal is to profit not only financially, but relationally. I got to make sure that I spend. If I don't spend, my marriage will end. If I don't spend, then I can't extend. And when it comes to purpose, you got to spend your time wise. That's why they call it paying attention. What are you paying attention towards? Because wherever you spend will determine where you profit. And a lot of people are spending excessive time, spending excessive of the ex excessiveness of their mind <clears throat> and spending so much in things that can't come in the clutch. Right. And, and, and God is, is warning you, is warning us through this video that as the times are ticking, that we spend it correctly and that we're actually uh, uh, spending in areas that that will will produce again. And so it says a profit is a financial per there's profit in all in purpose. There's profit in purpose and in every purpose. There's profit. Right. And God wants you to be profitable. If he didn't want you to be profitable, he wouldn't say that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But see, wealth follows wisdom. It says a wise man, a wise woman, a wise person. So God is not going to just give wealth to everybody. God gives gives based upon wisdom. He gives it based upon stewardship. He will not put on more. He will not put no more on you than you can bear. And so when you understand that, then you say, okay, God, help me to bear more. If you want, if you want to have more, bear more, but a wise person. So in all purpose, in every one of our purposes, there's profit, but we have to become the person that's profitable, right? And so there's a, a financial um, profit. There's relational profit. That's important. I got to spend the time that I have with my wife and daughter. I have to spend time. I, I remember when I was uh, telling the young guys at my school, I told them they used to, Mr. Ezzy, man, come hoop with us this afternoon. Mr. Ezzy, man, we love when you hoop with us. But I said, I can't hoop with y'all. Y'all start too late. Because by the time I get home after hooping with you all, my daughter sleep. And what I don't want to happen is that she doesn't see me. <laughs> I, I, I'm gone before she's awake. I'm home before she's I'm home after she sleep. Then when is she going to see me? And then on the weekend, I'm a stranger. And so I had to cut off uh, other expenditures. I had to cut off other, uh, other forms of spending so that my daughter won't have an ending. So there won't be no complications and, and whatever that I can continue to blossom. Now when I hold my daughter, she's familiar with me playing in my beer. She's, she knows me. And that's a that's a, a area of spending I had to cut off so I could spend it more relationally so I could have a return. Another profit that you can have is personal profit. That's investing in your personal development. That's investing in your personal growth. It's important for us to to be become the purposeful people that we need to be. 
so that we can actually have a profit or a return on us. So friends, I have to go to the gym. I have to eat right so that my body can increase in energy so I can profit in energy, so I can profit in vitality, so that whatever my wife, my daughter, or God needs, I can seed, I can feed. You see what I'm saying? And I won't be in a state of bleed, right? You know what I'm saying? Because I profit it personally. Another profit uh, uh, that you can't is emotional gain. I want to have emotional gain. I want to be able to have greater emotional capacity, greater, greater listening skills, greater, greater empathy, greater uh, synergy. I want that. I want to be able to pour into me with self-care and self-love and, and rooting myself in the love of God and, and being caught in him so that I won't be a, 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 at a deficit emotionally. And so we see that profit is a financial, relational, personal, emotional gain. Hear the word gain. Right now, you're either uh, occurring financial, relational, personal, emotional pain, or you're occurring financial, relational, personal, and emotional gain. It's all based upon where you where you uh, entertain. You see what I'm saying? And so we got to start thinking about profiting in purpose. We got to start thinking about that, that God has given us a time and opportunities for us to profit. Now, let's keep going. It says to profit in purpose means to derive fulfillment success and meaningful impact from living in alignment with one's purpose. See, in order for me to have this vitality, in order for us to have this synergy, to have this extra energy, this ability, and, and to be able to, uh, our gift making room for us, I got to align. And we talked about in a previous video, before there's an assignment, there's alignment. I have to be aligned to the will of God. I have to be aligned to the purpose of God before I can be assigned greater things. Now, there's some things that's a part of your, uh, well, there's things you got to think about before you assign yourself something. You have to make sure that you're aligned with what God has for you because how many people are aligned with the woman or man that God didn't assign? How many people are aligned to a career that God never assigned? And you wonder why you feel unfulfilled. You wonder why you feel hollow. You wonder why you have no hope for tomorrow. You see what I'm saying? And why you're in a financial deficit and all you can do is borrow because you're not tapped into your purpose, right? And so we have to understand that. It goes beyond financial gain and encompasses various aspects of personal and professional growth. Profiting and purpose involves finding, I love finding, finding uh, reveals desire. Like when you're looking for something, there's an increased desire. When you can't find your keys, there's a heightened desire. <laughs> when you can't find something that you need, a heightened desire. That's why it's important to find our purpose. And in finding, there's binding. You see what I'm saying? Because when I'm finding my purpose, I'm beginning to bind. Thank you, Kizzy, for your support. I appreciate that. I didn't know they still do that. Thank you. So in my finding, there's binding. You see what I'm saying? And then there's intertwining. Like, like then all of a sudden now, I just, I just want to be closer to God, right? Let's keep going. It says, uh, profiting in purpose involves finding and pursuing God's one pursuing one's God-given calling or passion, utilizing one's unique skills and talents. See that skills and talents. Everyone's born with talents, but skills are developed to make a positive difference. There we go. In order for me to make a difference, I have to be different. And that's why your purpose is different. 
And if you want to make a difference financially, a difference of a relationally, a difference in all other areas, spiritually, etc., then there has to be a difference in you. And Jesus makes the difference, right? And when you allow him to come into your life, the Holy Spirit will begin to show you the difference of you so that you can make a difference, right? It means aligning one's actions, values, and goals with a deeper sense of meaning and fulfillment. So if you want to make a positive difference in your finances, you got to be different. You got to, in order to have more, you got to do more. In order to do more, you have to become more. In order to become more, you have to believe more. Why is that important? Why do you think God gives us big dreams and visions? So that when we bump up against that dream and vision, right, then there, there's there's, there's a, a, a requirement. Oh, if I want to have this, obviously I must have to do more. And then when you go up against the do and you realize you're not matching the do in the be, then you say, oh, man, in order for me to do more, to have more, I have to be more. And then when you actually see that you are not enough, then you got to tap into his enough so that you your belief can grow because you in God. And that's the beauty of that process. Now, for time's sake, let's keep going because I want to answer you guys' question. Now, profiting and purposes encompasses these seven things. Profiting and purpose encompasses these seven things. And I, I want to, uh, well, we'll get there a little bit. Personal fulfillment, number one. When you live in alignment with your God-given purpose, you experience a deep sense of fulfillment. See, the goal in life is not shallow fulfillment, but deep fulfillment. Shallow fulfillment is temporary feeling. Deep sense of feeling means that I have a well that keeps me filled. That's why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about another video. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that we need more of him. Is that is, it means that I have to give him more of me. I got to allow him to feel every aspect of me so that I can be able to feel from me other places. But fulfillment must be deep. It can't be shallow. That, that The thing about deep fulfillment is when you're fulfilling a God-given purpose, you never on E. Because the thing that you're feeling fills you. I remember when I was uh, talking to the young people for our last chapel, I believe it was Thursday, uh, I was tired. I was the school that was last day of school. I was ready to get out of there. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm glad to be back in the summer. I was so tired. But when uh, when uh, one of the administration administrators told me you have to do chapel this morning, even though I it, it, they told me five minutes, 10 minutes prior, I wrote a couple of things. You can actually listen to my podcast. I, I put the uh, audio on there. Forty five minutes of just feeling. And, and I was and every time I do that, it's funny how when you're in your purpose, it's, it's as if you had a full night's sleep, as if you just got back from a vacation. That's how it's got to be. So profiting and purpose means I got to find a deep sense of fulfillment. It says your actions and choices are driven by a higher calling, bringing with it a sense of purpose and fulfillment to your everyday life. So now <clears throat> when you find your deep sense of fulfillment, now when it's time to do a fulfillment, you have extra. You see, you see, fulfillment is being full enough to feel what I was meant to do. That's fulfillment. Being full of what I was meant to feel. Right. And a lot of us are feeling things that we don't have the capacity to feel. See, uh, what profits me if I married a wife who is not full at the capacity of the jar that I need? What if what if I, I was a gallon size jar and she was a pint size uh, 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 uh container. She won't be able to fulfill in match 
You see what I'm saying? And vice versa. And so that's why it's important to be in a place where there's fulfilling meant, and we'll get to a little bit more of that. Number two, professional success. Profiting in purpose extends. It extends. So it extends from purpose in God. It extends. We're not just making plans, but being in a purpose of God, it extends from that. It extends from, 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 from within, right? Profiting and purpose extends to your professional life. It involves leveraging, I love that, your purpose to excel in your career or business. Do you understand that as believers, we're supposed to be the Josephs and Daniels? Joseph and Daniel were second in command in a land that didn't believe in their God. They didn't care. See, people, rich people, people who ask me for coaching stuff who are not Christians, they don't care. Whether They don't care who my God is. They just care about my wisdom. And then when they're in awe of my wisdom, they inquire how you can be so young and be so wise Then I can give the hope that's in me. But we as believers on every job, because we're so purposeful and it's deeper than just, just being paid a certain we actually exceed more. That's why working to the Lord is so important because it exceeds the expectation of managers. It involves leveraging your purpose to excel in your career or business by aligning your work with your passions and values. You can find greater satisfaction. Here we go. More satisfaction, creativity, and success in your purpose. So, meaning <clears throat> that I can profit when I give and I work unto the Lord. He'll give me different insights and wisdom. He'll give me dream interpretations. He'll give me problems to solve. He'll give me the solutions to problems that would then open you for promotion. See, but when you not tap into the Holy Spirit and you're not in it, in him, then, then how can he show himself through you that will make your onlookers in awe? Like, wow, this person, we're, we're so valued to have you. Now we got to pay you at the value that you give. That's why when you do things through God, God increases your value and you profit on your job. You have favor on your job. Number three, impact and contribution. Profiting in purpose means making a positive impact on others and the world around you. See, now, now, now when I'm profiting from my relationship with God and I profit in my personal development, I profit relationally, I profit in these different areas. Now I can impact more. Your purpose-driven actions create ripples of positive change, whether it's through inspiring others, serving a specific community or cause, or addressing societal challenges etc. Profiting in purpose allows you to leave a meaningful legacy and contribute to something greater than yourself. This video, our friend Kizzy, who just donated $20, obviously this video right here, because it came from we, I helped her profit, however, and now she's profiting me. That's the synergy that's creating when you make meaningful impact, right? Value follows vision. Value follows volume. The more volume I have, the more value I can have. The greater the vision and me operating in it, the more value I can have. Holistic well-being, number four. When you profit in purpose, you experience a holistic sense of well-being. Your personal, professional, and relational aspects of life are interconnected. Hear me? So purpose, I put a point here. I don't know if I, don't know if I posted it here. I did post it in my, uh, here, here it is. I posted this quote. Uh, I said, uh, all purposes are partners. That's it. All purposes are partners. See, for those who don't know, my book Multipurpose just came out. I'm gonna get. I'm sorry, kids. I got your business all out there, as far as your your money. But uh, all purposes. We have, we are multi-purpose people. That my purpose as a husband is directly connected to my purpose as a father. 
My purpose as a husband and a father is directly connected to my purpose in this video. All purposes are interconnected. And when I understand that, I got to make sure that I'm toiling in every area of purpose because they're interconnected. I just can't go out here and just pursue business and forget my family. I just can't go out here and pursue ministry and forget my family. They're interconnected. I don't want them to be disconnected with in what they was meant to be interconnected with, right? And so that's the problem. We don't know how to detect what's disconnected because they all have to be interconnected if you truly want to have full success. Let's keep going. Uh, your personal, professional, relational aspects of life are interconnected and aligned with your purpose. This alignment leads to greater overall, not just in one area, overall uh, happiness, balance, and harmony in your life. Number five, relational enrichment and family harmony. These, these, these three kind of go together. Profiting and purpose involves nurturing and enriching your relationships with loved ones, friends, and colleagues, meaning that I got I to gotta enrich. I got to enrich those that are within my reach, right? By living in alignment with your purpose, you can bring a deeper level of authentic, authenticity, meaning, and fulfillment to your interactions. Your purpose-driven mindset can foster stronger connections, empathy, and understanding your relationship. So now, when I begin to understand that my relationship with God is 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 uh, paramount, then I actually can profit. I profit from my relationship with God, so therefore now I can get, uh, give the gain. See, the issue is the reason why our relationships are not where they need to be because we're giving more pain than gain. We're giving more pain than gain. In order for me to give my wife gain, I got to give God my pain. If not, she'll be getting my pain and she won't get any gain. And then all of a sudden, then, then there's no uh, success and no synergy in, there, in my marriage. And so when you think about that, that's why the Bible says cast all your cares on God, because cares are not for you to carry or for your spouse to carry or for your children to carry. And so if you're carrying pain, you're not going to be able to help your mom, not your mom, yeah, yeah, your family gain. And so when you understand that, you will begin to think twice before you uh, uh, fall into Satan's device, right? And, and, and you will begin to see that I have to profit in relation with God. I have to profit in every area so that I can continue to give gain. Now, family harmony. Profiting and purpose encompasses fostering harmony and purpose within your family. By aligning your family values and goals with your purpose, you can create a nurturing and supportive environment for personal growth and collective well-being. Your purpose becomes a guiding force that strengthens family, bonds, enhances communication, and provides a shared sense of meaning and direction. So we have a family business. My business is my wife's business. Her business is my business. And we're interlocking them together so that we'll always be together, right? Let's keep going. Generational wealth and kingdom impact are the last two. Generational wealth. The Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, meaning that a wise man, a wise single man is thinking about his children's children right now. My daughter is nine months old. I'm already thinking about her kids' kids, right? You have to think about them. If not, they're going to despise your existence. So you have to be persistent. You have to be consistent. You have to be diligent. Right. Because generational wealth is important. You don't want your your children to start over. You want them to continue on. Let's continue. Generational wealth, profiting and purpose involves creating a legacy of generational wealth. This next thing is important. This goes beyond financial prosperity and extends to passing down valuable knowledge, principles 
and resources to future generations. See what I'm saying? So that means I not only do should I be trying to pass uh, monetary value, I should be endeavoring to pass down mental value, emotional value. See what I'm saying? Spiritual value. Like, like a wise man leaves an inheritance. That means they inherited from what I what I've engaged in, right? By aligning your purpose with wealth creation strategies, you can build sustainable financial success that benefits not only your own life, but also provides a solid foundation for the prosperity of your children and grandchildren. Generational wealth allows for greater opportunities, education, and resources to be passed down empowering future generations to pursue their own purpose-driven endeavors. That is so important. So when we profit in purpose, we're also saying, hey, I got to make sure that my kids' kids are profiting holistically. Last but not least, kingdom impact. Profiting in purpose has a kingdom has a kingdom impact, meaning that your actions and endeavors contribute to a greater purpose and alignment with your faith and God. It involves seeking to make a positive difference in the world and advance God's kingdom on earth. By living out your purpose intentionally, you can use your skills, resources, and influence to address societal challenges, serve others, and bring about positive transformation in your community. Your purpose-driven efforts have the potential to create a lasting impact that extends far beyond your personal sphere. Ultimately, the goal as a believer is to make sure that, that we're uh, seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. That's important. Kingdom impact is positioning myself to one day hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant, for you was faithful over a little and now I'm about to make you rule over many. I pray this message was a blessing to you. I pray that you got a beloved says, is this material you're teaching in one of your books? Yes, it is. It comes from my book, Multi-Purpose. A lot of these points, these some of these points are fresh points. That's why I love about the Holy Spirit. He keeps you fresh. You know, right? he, no, no matter. That's why you got a fellowship, because he keeps you fresh, that, that you don't always have to repeat old material that he will give you new material even after the book is done. But a lot of these points that I share are highlighted in this book, Multi-Purpose. Also, if you're looking, if you're saying, hey, coach, I don't know my purpose. I want to uh, uh, find my purpose. If you're a person that says, hey, I want to know my purpose. I want to function at it at a high level. I want to profit in my purpose. Whether you're a person that says, hey, coach, I want to start a business. I want to profit in the kingdom of God. I want to profit relationally. I want to profit in all of my purposes. Make sure you sign up for my purpose challenge next week. Or we also got a 90-day accelerator on helping people profit in purpose. And if you're interested in that and you you want to get on the phone with me with a 30-minute purpose call and you want to see how uh, that 90-day program can help you, make sure you go to my website, mycoachjosh.com and message me today. Go to my contacts, message me. Um, I'll go ahead and post those links now. And if you say, coach, I want to excel, I want to profit at a high level, I want to fulfill my purpose at a high level, and I need some support to accelerate it. If you're a coach, if a consultant, an author, we're talking about twofolds, those who want to find their purpose and also those who want to fulfill their purpose at a high level and profit at a high level, we're serving both communities, right? So profit and purpose. Um, so message me today on my website 
uh, mycoachjosh.com, and I would love to serve. Let me go make sure I find those links. Give me one second. Uh, yeah. You can actually message me on my coaching tab for one-on-one, and that'll be a good place to go. I'll go ahead and post that link now. And those who are listening or watching later, those links are actually available in the description boxes, et cetera, et cetera. And so let's get right to the questions. Shahara says, hey, coach, what is the difference between the flesh, spirit, and demons? Is visualization evil? Great question. Hey, coach, what is the difference between the flesh and the spirit and demons? Great question. Your flesh is your flawed man. That's your body and your soul that tends to bend to sin. Right. That's why the Bible says we have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, that we have to kill the flesh daily. So the flesh represents the flawed, unregenerated, uh, unrenewed areas of your mind, your will and your emotions. Right. Your spirit, man, is who you really are. Your spirit, man, houses your personality. It houses your gifts. It houses your talents. It houses your authentic you. Those areas stay buried because of the weight and junk that we put on top of it in our soulless realm and the addictions that we carry in our physical realm. Right. And so those things hinder the spirit from doing what it needs to do. That's why I talked to my students the other day about how the Bible says the word of God is active and sharper than any two edged sword able to divide the spirit and the soul. I love that uh, uh, imagery because it shows that there's a lot of things that are sharp. But God's words are sharpest. I talked to my students. I said, uh, words from your mom, words from your dad, words from people that you care about are active. Words are vibrational. Words were getting you and they were vibrating you. All it takes is one negative word to kill your whole vibe. All it takes is a, a positive word to uh, 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 reveal a positive vibe, right? But the word of God is the most active ingredient. I told my students, I said, when your mom wants you to clean the tub, after you, you know that dirty ring around the tub? If your mom wants you to clean the tub, she ain't going to give you a bar of soap. She's going to give you uh, uh, something with a little bit more active ingredients. She's going to give you Comet. Comet going to get through that dirt, right? Because it has more active ingredients. The most active ingredient is the word of God. And it's sharp enough to carve through all that stuff in your soul to get to your spirit, to separate it. So that you can be able to have distinctions between the three, body, soul, and spirit. So that you can be able to see how the Holy Spirit can work within it to bind it, right? So I'll talk about that in another video. But demons, when they operate in a person, in a, in a non-believer, demons can possess a person. Believers, demons can't possess, but they can oppress. Now, I tell students all the time, I tell people all the time, it's like, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but what causes me to have a cold in my body? What causes me to be sick in my body if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? See, we have to think in layers. And so demons cannot possess the spirit of a man for the Holy Spirit has sealed the spirit of a man. And from the spirit of the man, the Holy Spirit endeavors to renew the mind, to unlock, unlock all strongholds demons have had in a person. So that person can be soulishly set free and physically addiction free. Right. But just like a, a sickness can come into the body of a person that has the Holy Spirit, soul can oppressive spirit, uh, demonic spirits can oppress the soulless part, causing there to be uh, strongholds and ties in it that keeps the, the, the contents of the spirit to come out of it. And so is visualization, visualization evil? Anything that's positive, the devil has perverted it. 
nothing wrong with visualizing the person, uh, the things that you want, but you got to become the person that can actually have it. So you just can't sit there and visualize and wait till it materialize. You got to become the girl or the guy that can have what you visualize. Hope to help. <clears throat> Nubian Soul Child says, any advice for dealing with management who does too much and wants to control everything? How can I handle my temper and still do my job for the time being? I don't mind listening. It's just that they are rude about how they say things and look for the smallest things to complain. Well, that has nothing to do with you, my friend. And so when dealing with management is you manage yourself so that your man, so the management can call, can't cause you to become outside of yourself. Let me look at that question again. So any advice on dealing with management who does not, who does too much and wants to control it, let them control everything, but don't let them control you. See, they may be able to control what you do, but don't allow them to control you. And if they try to make you do something outside of your job description, that's not uh, 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 going to help you grow in that field to get promoted and they're just doing too much, then there's nothing wrong with checking them. But you don't want them to be uh, uh, their uh, uh, actions to start triggering emotions. You work into the Lord. Because you got to learn how to handle complicated situations because it only gets complicated the higher that you go. And so when they do too much, don't allow their too much to cause you not to do much. Right. And don't let them control your emotions or your thoughts. You just they having a bad day. Their life must. You have to look at people at the life they show and say, you know what, man, let me pray for them. Because obviously, if you got a temper all the time and you do all this kind of stuff, whatever, whatever, then my friend, I, I got to pray for you. He says, how can I handle my temper and still do my job for the time being? Walk in love. See, per, the perfect love of God casts out all fear. There's a fear possibly in you to rise to the person you need to be to walk in love with this person. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love can have a way of causing you to rise above because what you don't want to happen is that y'all both look foolish. What you want to do is you walk in so much love that that person leaves you alone because they only look foolish alone, right? And so don't, like, don't worry about how they act or respond. Walk in love because when you walk in love, that energy neutralizes all that negative energy. And then you'll begin to see that they're no longer rude to you. And, or complain to you because you just walk in too much love. Hope to help. And I might do a video on that because a lot of people struggle with that. Jonah says, how to not lust after women in day-to-day -day life as a single man? Many beautiful women, especially now that the summer is coming. Great question, my friend. Well, lust is a strong desire for something. It's an overbearing desire for something. And so if you never fix the overbearing, then you won't be able to bear when they got when they're dressing bare, right? And so what you got to do is you got to find the root reason why you're lusting. Is there an overbearing desire for relationship, for love, for companionship, for, for closeness, right? And if there is, you got to check you and God's relationship and say, okay, why am I longing for this more than I'm longing for you, God? Because when you long for God and you go along with God and your purpose, you will begin to see them as sisters in Christ, right? Now, until you get to that place, give me one second, <clears throat> excuse me. When you get to that place, you got to now begin to change the way you see women. You got to see them as sisters and, and as, 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 as uh, sisters in Christ. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, summer's coming, the sundresses are coming, but you got to respect your future wife because if you disrespect, see, when you disrespect your future wife and your singleness, you will end up disrespecting her when you marry. So respect her, even though you can't inspect her. 
You got to respect her now. You have to practice. One thing my wife will tell you that when she's with me, she's always saying, man, it don't matter what passed me by. Like since we've been dating, since we've been married, she's never seen me looking and, and, and observing anything else because I practice that in my singleness. I had to say, I got to respect my wife before I have a wife. So I won't disrespect her when I have her. Yeah. So you got to change the way you see beauty. You got to see beauty internally when it comes to a woman so that you won't be lustfully drawn to the external look of her. Right. Because when you program to only see beauty externally and you start getting turned on to that and it starts bringing up certain feelings to do whatever, whatever with that, then you're going to miss out on becoming that holistic man you need to be. So practically what you got to do is observe why you're lusting. And, and bring that overbearing desire back to regular desires by desiring God more. Because the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. So you, you got to go to the light and then delight in the light. Because when you go to the light, you get exposed. And when you're exposed, you don't have to be worried about being exposed publicly when you're exposed privately. And then change the way you see women. And what you got to do is say, okay, because you can't, you can't even go to the grocery store no more these days. Without people wearing leggings, without people wearing uh, shorts, without people, without women wearing uh, sundresses. And what you got to do is if you want to survive summer and if you want to survive these summer dresses, you got to undress yourself and begin to see those root issues there so that you can be able to see them the way God sees them. Beloved says, so good. I'm glad you was blessed by it. Joe Davis says, what's up, Coach Josh? How do I find confidence of me finding work with a disability? Well, the cool thing is, that no matter what your disability is, there is still ability inside of you. And sometimes, even if you can't have a job, you can create a job. I know we talked about that before. It's beginning to say, okay, God, show the job in me. Show the job in me. There's a lot of dis uh, 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 speakers with disability. I don't know if you've seen that guy who has no arms, no legs, and he's making uh, six figures per speaking engagement. I, there's a guy that I follow called Myron Golden. He has he had polio in his legs, so he his one of his legs has a brace on it, and he walks with a limp, and one leg's more than the other. But he but he's making $15, 20 million dollars a year coaching people, and so confidence has to come not in the disability, but in whom gives you ability, and that's God. And so first you got to find confidence in God, knowing that God doesn't see the disability; He sees a lot of ability inside of you. And so when it comes to finding work, there's work for you, but look to find that there's work in you. Sometimes you got to look at, the, you got to look for the work in you so that you can work. And then you can, then people be paying you to work no matter what your disability is. Hope to help. What's up family? Hope you well. What's going on? Beloved says, yep. Let me see how many questions we got left. Oh, now, now they're coming in. Um, so yeah, man, make sure you guys check out the purpose course. And if you want to learn more about the uh, purpose accelerator, man, if you want to say, Hey man, I want to, I want to scale in my purpose. Not only do I want to start my purpose, whether it's a business or an idea, get your book off the ground. I want to start my purpose. I also want to scale in my purpose. I want to be able to create that generational wealth and be able to position myself to help my family's generations to come. So make sure you go ahead and go to my website, mycoach.josh.com. And comment. You can comment right now. Well, YouTube is different. Uh, comment below. That's me. And see how I can help you. Natasha says, with regards to baptism, Acts and Matthew say two different things. Are we baptized in Jesus' name or the Father? Great question. Some people say, I, the thing is, we focus so much on technicalities that we forget about the uh, what's actually happening. 
all that God, let's, let's be real. All that God cares about is that you do it. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't think there's no technicality. Like, like, like if you baptize me in the name of the father, son, and the Holy ghost, or you baptize in Jesus name, they all the same. <laughs> they all the same. There's, there's no change. And so they may say two different things, but all of them are the same. They the same. You know what I'm saying? Co-equal persons. You see what I'm saying? And so when you understand that, it doesn't matter what you, long as you did, got in the water and came back as a, as a uh, sign um, that, that you changed, that you're endeavoring to follow Christ. And a lot of people get so caught up in the technicalities and cause dissension and separation in the church, which is kind of dumb. SP says, I'm over 30 and I have never been in a committed relationship. As a single person, how can I get my emotional needs met? I'm desiring companionship more than ever and the loneliness, lack of emotional intimacy, and a lack of affection are really weighing on me heavily. Gotcha. I'm over 30, and I've never been in a committed relationship. As a single person, how can I get my emotional needs met? Where emotional needs stem from a lack of mental and spiritual feed. Emotional needs derive from the lack of or the appropriate dosage of spiritual and mental feed. If I don't feed myself spiritually, and if I don't feed myself mentally, and if I don't feed myself purposefully, then my emotions will be everywhere. Emotions are just indicators of a present mood. Also, emotions are an indicator of a present mindset. So a present mood and a present mindset. Present mood means you walk into a situation, emotion was triggered by something that was there. That was a momentary mood that 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 it, that burst in emotion, right? And those emotions can be triggered, and you have a good mindset. But emotional states, emotional states are derived from mental settings. It derives from a mindset, right? And so, if my mindset it hasn't been renewed, and I don't see singleness the way God sees singleness, then I will see it as a a, a, a a punishment and not a present. So you have to see singleness as a gift. And so you're 30, you're over 30. That's nothing wrong with that. I got married over 30. My wife and I had our daughter and my wife was 37. I was 36. And so it's never late. It's never too late. The question is, if you're deep in an emotional situation where you're deeply desiring companionship, first, I want to make sure I say this. There's nothing wrong with that, but it has to be a temporary thing. Being spiritually fed, knowing that in regards to keeping your trust and faith and belief high in God, keeping yourself sound in the soundness of scripture, and also feeding yourself mentally with renewing those areas in your mind so that you can feel how you need to feel in time. When those things are working together, then you will begin to see your emotions be at ease. And your emotions will be momentary triggers, which is okay. There was plenty of times in my single life I desire a relationship, but then my mind and my spirit kicked me back into purpose. It kicked me right back into perspective. It kicked me right back in the presence of God that gave me perspective, that gave me passion to pursue my purpose because I understood the process that in order for me to find my purpose person, I have to know my purpose. In order for me to know my purpose, I must know myself. In order for me to know myself, I must know God. So when I knew that this was a, a chain, links in a chain, then I had to make sure all links were the same. 
And so I met my purpose person while doing my purpose. People notice I was literally preaching the word of God at my own Bible study when my wife walked in. She walked in. It was so beautiful. I started stuttering. One of the top three worst stuttering episodes I ever had in my life. So bad, I blamed it on the devil. <laughs> and I started to pray again and do the message again. But either way, I found her in the proximity of my purpose. And so when you understand that, that will give you passion and perspective and have you look at yourself personally, because when you're focused on becoming a wife, you don't have to worry about the feelings of not being a wife yet, because, you know, all I'm going to do is keep getting the traits and keep doing the traits that's going to make me a wife. And then when you focus on becoming a wife, then you will attract a husband. So you says that uh, I'm desiring companionship. Nothing wrong with that, but it, it can't be it can't be all the time. If it's temporary, you understand, but your spirit and your, your mind will kick you right back in so that you won't be fall in in those different things. Right. He says, I'm desiring companionship more than ever. And the loneliness, see, loneliness, lack of intimacy, uh, lack of emotional intimacy, lack of affection are really weighing on me. It's weighing on you. Because you allowed it to weigh on you and you didn't cast that care over to God. Somewhere there's a disconnect and you believing that God cares about you. And this usually happens where the devil begins to feed the mind of women, especially over the age of 30, begin to say, if God really loved you, wouldn't he give you a husband by now? If God truly loved you, wouldn't he have sent someone by now? Obviously, must be something wrong with God. Obviously, God doesn't love you. But the devil knows that God blesses at the level of preparation, that God blesses at the level of his timing. And when you understand that, you can shoot the word back at the devil, neutralize that, and then you'll be able to move on. So you have to look at what you said more than ever and the loneliness. So now that shows that there's a disconnect between you and God. Like you, you believe that you are alone, but God is near. God doesn't disappear. God is near. Right now, me and my wife are in the same house. Do you know that there's a lot of spouses that are in the same house and there's they're miles apart? But it doesn't mean I'm not in the proximity. It just means maybe I left. Maybe I moved on. Maybe I moved away in my heart and mind. But when you're intertwined with God and you know that you're not alone, then you won't have to worry about loneliness. It's a lack of emotional uh, intimacy. Well, uh, what do you what do you what do you want to see? Like, what do you want to have? And those emotions, man, th those motions of emotions, especially she motions, there's a difference between he motions, which are more ambitiously traded and, and no she motions, which are more relationally traded or uh uh, design. You got to get on a sheet of paper and write down all your she motions. All the she motions, write them all down. And I want you to find scriptures that balance out and or neutralizes those emotions and begin to look on, or look at your life and be able to say, if I was to meet my husband right now, would he see me as wife material? A man doesn't want a woman who feels alone. A man doesn't want a woman who has a deep need for emotional intimacy or a deep need of a lack of affection, which means if you have those strong needs, now hear me, I don't know the full context. Now, if you're in a context where it's like, Josh, it's temporary, I need to encourage you right now. So I encourage you right now to move on. But if you like, Josh, it's been, this has been weighing on me for a long time, then a man coming to you right now doesn't want a lonely woman because now she's going to be clingy. 
A man of God doesn't want a woman that, that desires strongly emotional intimacy or affection because he won't be able to be able to do his purpose because you're going to feel like if he doesn't want to be around me, if he doesn't, because you don't want to have these strong desires for someone that makes a person who knows themselves uncomfortable. So obviously through some of these, this wording right here, it shows that you need a little bit more time in your singleness before you get into mingleness. You see what I'm saying? Because it's better to be single than to mingle, than to be, than to mingle and be back single. Hope that. Great questions. Uh, beloved says so true. Kizzy says yes. Facts. Thank you again for your support, Kizzy. And if those who want to support more of what I do, you can go to my website, mycoachjosh.com forward slash donate, or you can go to my my page and see the give back, and you can support what we do here on this channel as well as our uh, nonprofit, etc. Natalie says, what does it mean when God closes most of the doors in your life because He don't put blessings in every room? Like, 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 I, I prefer God to close every door than for me to go in every door and to still be poor. You see what I'm saying? So what does it mean? It means that God loves you. God cares about you and he knows what's behind those doors. And most people only care about what's in behind a door, but they don't know what's in the room. So right now you could be walking, you know, when you window shop at the mall and you can see in a room before you get to the door of the room. And sometimes what you see in a room is so uh, uh, intriguing. You see sales signs, you see your favorite bag, you see your favorite shoes, and it makes you want to go in the door, right? But if the Holy Spirit gives you discernment that this ain't the room for you to be in, it doesn't matter what's in there. Because what if there's what if there's a thief in that room? What if there's danger in that room? Just because it looks good through the window doesn't mean that what's, in, what's beyond the door is, is where you need to be. And so when he closes most doors in your life, it's because it's those things behind those doors that's only going to keep you poor. That's going to only keep you uh, from from succeeding in the things he wants you to succeed in. Hope that. Uh, OK, beloved says, is this material? Oh, yeah. Is in my book multipurpose. The, uh, the first part of this this video. You're so welcome, Georgina. Entertainment says, coach, I got a question when you hit. OK. We'll keep going. Beloved says, sweet, I'm going to order. Thank You're so welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, Kids right Entertainment, you are rebuked. Oh, okay. y'all rebuking. Y'all rebuking. Gotcha. Y'all rebuking, rebuking our, our friend here, our brother here. Let's keep going. Uh, Daya says, tips or comments on waiting and in purpose other than staying focused? Great question. Tips for coming, waiting and waiting and in purpose. Okay. Tips for comp tips or comments on waiting. Well, waiting is important because if you can't wait, you can't carry weight. If you can't wait well, you won't carry weight well. What I mean by that, like when you understand the importance of waiting because of the weighing of the thing that you want to, to, to be joined to, then if you don't know how to do that, then when you jump into something that's heavier than your ability, heavier than your development, heavier than what you really are, then that thing is going to destroy you. Marriage is heavy. Like financial success is heavy. That's why people in the top offices are paid more than the people who work with their hands because there's more risk. There's more risk as a husband. There's more risk as a father. There's more risk as a wife. There's more risk as a mother. There's more risk as a CEO. There's more risk as an entrepreneur. There's more risk. 
Anybody can go work at, no offense to these places, they can work at a fast food restaurant, ain't that much risk. But the one who owns the chains, there's more risk. I can get, that person get sued, et cetera. So you got to become a person that can weigh and handle the weight of responsibility. And you have to have the weight of a responsible person. So tips on waiting is write down a sheet of paper. What is it that you're waiting on and waiting for? And while you're, when you write down what you're waiting on and waiting for, ask yourself, do I weigh as much as that? Do I weigh half as that? Or do I not weigh as close as that at all? One, I don't, uh, zero, I don't weigh nowhere close to this. One, I weigh somewhat close to this. Two, I, I, I equal in weight. Or one, two, and three, right? One, I don't weigh close to it all. Two, I weigh halfway close to it. Three, I weigh as much as this. That will let you know. Now, before you put three, right, you got to begin to investigate what you're talking about weighing on. I will write on this. I will ask some married people, whatever it is weighing on, I will go and ask somebody in there and say, how heavy is the crown? How heavy is this place? How heavy is it? And they'll tell you, Baby, you better wait. Not that it's not a good thing, but a good thing becomes a bad thing if I don't weigh the same as the thing that, I, that I'm in with. So waiting is all about matching it in weight. And then when you understand the weight of a thing, you'll wait for that thing because you know the weight of singleness is lighter than the weight of marriage. I promise you. All those emotions you're feeling in singleness are justifiable, understandable, right? But they don't weigh as much as marriage do. They don't weigh as much as the thoughts in marriage weigh. They don't weigh as much as the emotions in, in marriage weigh. Don't weigh the same. Parenting don't weigh the same. Don't weigh the same. Ministry don't weigh the same. Like being a pastor, being someone high in ministry doesn't weigh the same as someone as an usher. Don't weigh the same. And when it comes to purpose, purpose is revealed in stages. Because God knows you got to grow in certain areas in order to handle that area. So when it comes to purpose, there's purpose every day. Focus on being a purposeful woman. What is the purpose? What is God? What is what is the purpose of a godly woman? What is the purpose of a godly wife? What is the purpose of those things? Because purpose is original intent. What is God's original intent for you in everything that you are right now, as a coworker, as a as an entrepreneur, wherever it is? What is the purpose of that? And execute in the purpose of that. And when you execute in the purpose of your daily purposes, you end up fulfilling your general purpose, and then you'll be able to find your purpose person and all your purpose pieces. And for those who's watching the snippet a little bit later. Get this book, Multi-Purpose. It will help you better understand how to find and fulfill your purposes. Keyword purposes in life. We don't just have one purpose. We have multiple. Let's keep going. Let me make sure my wife didn't text me because I had a baby. Make sure we're good. Okay, we're good. All right, let's keep going. Uh, where are we at? Kid says, you are out of order. Oh, good, my bad, my bad, my bad. Joshua, I want to know, Georgina says, Joshua, I want to know the will of God. I love, uh, I love will be with me in my relationship and help me and my partner who is coming into knowing the God. I love and stand firm in him. Is this true? Joshua, I want to know the will of God. I, I love will be, make, uh, let me see if you repeat, repeat that question for me, Georgina, so I can make sure I'm getting that right. Love God, my, my daughter's over there playing. Will be with me in my relationship and will help me. Please help me because words matter to me. And if I don't know, if I don't know what 
what what you're trying to say. I don't want to. I want to make sure I serve you. So repeat your question for my friend. Um, beloved says, "Amen." Erica says, "How do you know what church to be a part of?" Great question. Um, when you're in a congregation of God, God will show you the congregation to be in. And so that's why I say the best meals are eaten at home. The more you are the church at home, the more He'll begin to show you what church you need to be in. And so in the meantime, what I would do is, is enjoy the word of God, uh, uh, be sensitive in your spirit, man, and, and just get to the basis of just reading the Bible for yourself. I wouldn't watch too many people because you don't want to get so caught up in, 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 in pastors and stuff like that. But what I want you to do is begin, not what I want you to do, I want you to seek God on what to do in regards towards reading your Bible, praying, stay sensitive. But here are some markers of a bad church when there's more attention on the pastor than it is the church growing. If they're building their, if they're growing their church and not growing the Christian that's a bad church. If the pastor's wearing tight clothes and not respecting the office and they, they look more effeminate, I wouldn't go to that church. Um, if their focus is more on one form of the gospel, whether it's uh, prosperity, grace, hellfire, brimstone, if they only focus on one aspect and that's all they teach, probably not a good church to be at. Um, so those, or if a person is saying things that don't line up with God's word, don't go to that church. So what I would do is you got to know the word of God for yourself. So you'll know if that person is actually cooking the word of God, the way it was, uh, uh, on the list desired, designed to be cooked. Hope that helps. Thank you, cousin. Appreciate you. Beloved says, we, we really aren't ready for marriage till we are okay with being single. That's right. You're not going to be okay with being married. You're not going to be ready for marriage. You're not going to continue singing. You got to love your singleness so much that marriage catch you off guard. You should love your singleness so much that the man of God catches you off guard. The woman of God catches you off guard. Oh, hey, you. Oh, okay, cool. So because then the courting phase will be, it, it won't go too quickly. Like, because when you love your singleness, you'll be like, you got to really be the, the, the one God has for me for me to leave my singleness. I'm so happy with my singles. I love coming home alone. I love doing what I want to do. I love the blessings of singleness. So you have to really be God's man to make me leave the goodness of my singleness. That's why you got to be good in your singleness. You got to make singleness good. You got to make singleness enjoyable. You got to love singleness so that nobody won't lure you out of singleness. And that, that person was not even supposed to be the person for you. So you got to love singleness more than you love the idea of marriage. You got to love it. Because if you love the idea of marriage, you'll never become the individual that can. So, see what I'm saying? So, hope that. Jonah says, how to change my mindset and think more positive? Can I use affirmations? Yeah, nothing wrong with affirmations, but you got to make sure that that's not all you do, right? How you change your mindset. My book talks about that. I have a whole chapter on mindset, very positive on when it comes to perspectives and purpose, right? Hold on, give me one second. I got to sneeze. No, nah, I guess not. So you change your mindset by observing your mental set. I'm just going to find that in my book. I think it's within a chapter. I don't know if it has a, its own chapter. Yeah, it has its own chapter. Let me see. Uh, perspectives. So in this book, I talk about there are the benefits of renewed mind, your mental settings, how to deconstruct and reconstruct. 
Here are 10 mental settings that need to be reset or renewed. There's negative self-talk, fear-based thinking, perfectionism, victim mentality, fixed mindset, negative bias. So all these different things um, are in there. But to give you, give you value now, you got to observe how you think about things. So I want you to observe all the things that you think heavily on. I want you to write them on a sheet of paper. I then want you to think about how do you view these things? How do you think about these different things? Proper or poorly? Properly or poorly? If it's poorly, then you got to go to the pages of God's word and find out how you should think. I want you to go to the scripture. Let me find it for you. On thinking. Um, the Bible says, uh, Philippians 4.8, whatever is true. So what you got to do is, let me post the scripture so we can look at it together. I think it should give me enough. Uh, let me see if I can post this right here. This scripture right here. Let's see if it lets us see it together. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. So you got to ask yourself, if I'm thinking poorly on this on this, this situation, I got to find the truth of the situation. I got to think on whatever is true about this, that I am more than a conqueror, that I will be successful, that I will overcome this, that a greater is he that's in me than whatever I face in the world. Think on what is honorable. Think on things that deserves honor. Like, Think honorably, think regal, think think digni dignitarianly. See what I'm saying? Whatever is just, find out what the word of God justifies this as. Whatever is pure, don't think of the impure side. So what I'm trying to say is when you look at this, use the scriptures as a way to look at things and to observe things. So I got to go, y'all. Coach, get a little tired. So I hope that helps. Thank y'all so much for trusting uh, uh, me with your questions. It's an honor. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can go to my website right now, mycoachjosh.com. You can join the Purpose Challenge. Also, if you want to really uh, learn more about how to start your purpose, whether it's in business or entrepreneurial endeavors, and how to scale it uh, to where you uh, position yourself for generational wealth, kingdom impact, and to hear God say, well done, then message me, well done. Go to my website, message me, well done, message me, scale, whatever it is buzzwords so I can know what you want and I'll get you on a call next week and we'll talk about how can I help you in the next 90 days to be successful in those areas. Love you all. Make sure you check out all these books I have. <laughs> 10 of them. This book, Multi-Purpose, How to Find and Fill Your Purposes in Life. Great book. Man, one of my favorites I've ever written. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds and you want to be free, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, will be a great book for you. Whom the Son Sets Free is free indeed. If you're struggling with uh, discerning what's in front of you, you don't know if it's a counterfeit or a counterpart, you don't even know what it is and you want to better discern, this book right here will help you test everything that comes in your way. Also, if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, this says fall and winter, but spring, I this just saw the graphic here. If you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, you can also do that on my website as well. Uh, if you're looking for a book to help you get over your negative feelings and get to the facts so you can get back to fulfilling a purpose, this book, Facts Over Feelings, is a great book. If you're looking for a book to help you observe whether or not you're holding, thing well, holding things well and you want to be whole yourself, this book is a great journey to help you become whole. It talks about wholeness. If you want to better understand the purpose of your singleness so that you can know the purpose of mingleness, then this book right here would be a great book for you. If you're looking right now for a book to make sure that you are on the same sentence, on the same paragraph, on the same page with a person, and you want to make sure you prepped for dating forever because you got to love your life forever, this book, Dating Prep, would be a great risk for you. If you're struggling with spiritual warfare, you want to better understand what the whole armor of God is and how to war well as a man or woman of God, this book would be a great risk for you. World War Me. Also, if you have a young person and they're struggling, with their with their creativity and who they are uh as far as the art this book was written in the public school so you're gonna if you're a, a sound christian person you'll see the proverbial undertones in this book
but this book would definitely help every young person better understand uh how god made them and their art and all that good stuff we also have merch well done merch if you want to be motivated by this movement get the merch well done so that you can be well do well and position yourself to hear god say well done i love you all thank y'all so much for trusting me with y'all's questions i'll see some of you all monday on the purpose challenge i'll see some of you all in the purpose accelerator profit and purpose uh i look forward to serving you all find out now because i promise you there's safety and purpose there's profit and purpose and there's just a lot of great things in purpose and i want to help you find it and fulfill it at a high level for god's glory and and for the advancement of his kingdom on earth love you all i catch y'all next time peace